This is Bariatric Life Podcast, where we share stories about weight loss surgery. We are not doctors, nor have we ever played one on TV. Please contact your doctor for medical advice. Now on to the show. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello and welcome to Bariatric Life. This is Amanda. This week's episode is with Pete, a.k.a. the wannabe runner. He was a delight to talk to and his story is really interesting. Hope you enjoy. Hey. You hear me. I fixed it. <laughs> no, I think it's because I had it open in uh, Microsoft and Chrome and it wasn't. Oh. <laughs> I'm like, let me see if, and what happened was I switched over to the other one and it had a picture of me, but not you guys. <laughs> is this microphone picking me up okay with you guys? Yeah. It is. Okay. It is. Good. Can you hear us? Fine? Oh, yeah, yeah. And the dogs. I made sure mine's out there and I turned off my uh, pager for the fire department, although it may go off, but we'll see. (laughs) Hey, I mean, if it goes off, I totally understand you cutting out. (laughs) Oh, no, no, no. Not a problem. Uh, We leave tomorrow for New York for a wedding and I'm running a half marathon on Sunday before the wedding. So tonight is us getting ready for it. So Um, as soon as I get done with you guys, it's pack the truck because I'll work. (laughs) And as soon as we get off work, it's seven hours to Rochester, New York. Oh, wow. I've been to Rochester. Where are you now? Uh, I'm in Fort Wayne, Indiana, which is the northeast corner of the state. And I have a buddy that lived in Fort Wayne. (laughs) Okay. It's just, it's weird. I mean, a lot of people... Live in well, Fort, Fort Wayne, I'm sure. Fort Wayne's the city of 400, or well, our metropolitan area is 450,000 people. There's 280 in, within the city. We're not a small town, although it's really funny that people call us a small town because you don't hear mm-hmm. much about it. I mean, when uh, we had a local guy get in the football hall of fame, the NFL football hall of fame, in his speech, he's like, it's great about growing up in a small town. And I was working at a sports radio station at the time. It's like, why do you call us a small town? We're literally the seventh biggest city in the United States. <laughs> but you're calling us a small town. So I grew up in a small town. I grew up in a town with a population of like 12,000. Yeah. Oh, no. Everybody I, knew everything. I got you beat over in Northwest Indiana. Everything grew so much that if you didn't start expanding, the others expanded to you. And I lived in a little town called New Chicago that was eight tenths of a mile wide by nine tenths of a mile tall. And there was only wow. about 250 houses in it. Now, all the other towns around, we all fed into the same high school, but that little town is very, very tiny. You win. Yeah. <laughs> For sure. Okay. Uh, Pete, if you don't mind giving us your Instagram handle. The wannabe runner. And uh, I see all those medals behind you. Yep. yep. Those are my it- half marathon, marathon, 
finishers and other awards for running. It doesn't seem very wannabe to me. I was me. just about to say that. that <laughs> I can tell you how like I a... came up with the handle because it also tie into helping people that are losing weight and what led me to get that one. I won't spoil the lead right now. So just you can ask me how I came up with the name and I'll explain it. <laughs> well, how did you come up with the name? Uh, are you guys recording now or? Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. I thought, was, I thought it was a pre-interview. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, I came up with the name because I had had a different Instagram name and I got up to about, uh, about 10,000 followers at the time. And some, some other Instagram account that was like keto or losing weight was stealing before and after pictures. And oh, no. they were, and I don't know if you guys have came across that every, if you ever get on Instagram and you start seeing one person that you've noticed their before and after pictures being on all these uh, things, get a hold of the original person and tell them they may not know because now all yeah. of a sudden somebody's hawking a fake keto or something they have nothing they know of and uh, tell them about that. And they can go to the other person and say, Hey, I did not give you permission to do it. What I did wrong was I went after the person in messages and went visceral on them. <laughs> and so much so they turned me in for for uh harassment and all that and instagram kicked my account they literally deleted it and oh, then wow. and it's because oh, they shit. stepped in and they were saying look at though what what this guy did on our keto plan it's like no you didn't okay i worked hard i got i got healthy i had a weight loss surgery and I started running and you have no right to use my before and after picture is what I should have did. And actually talking with other weight loss surgery people, basically I ran into one that was a lawyer and her and I ran into each other because I started seeing her picture show up. Somebody started doing yeah. it. She's mm -hmm. like, here's what you do. You basically send them this in real simple terms. I am telling you right now to remove all my pictures. This is a cease and desist. You do not have permission to do that and misportray my weight loss in that way. Any further postings will uh, result from a letter from my lawyer. And usually they take them down right away. Um, mm. You'll notice. Say, I feel like you could claim copyright. Or... Yes. But if you notice on a lot of my pictures, whenever I go for and after, I literally put down in the corner at the wannabe runner and I put it across there. So it could, they have to almost crop a big chunk of me out mm -hmm. to miss that. Mm -hmm. And that's because of that. So I lost it. The original handle was called I ate an elephant. Cause have you heard of that? Uh, turn the slogan. Yep. How do you eat an elephant? One bite at, one a, time. Bite at a time. How did you lose the weight? One, one step at a time. Mm -hmm. Well, I lost it all because basically that person, Instagram, look at this message. And then they, they came in. Next thing I know, they're like, yeah, you shouldn't have been mean. It's like, oh, okay. <laughs> so their feelings. So I, I, I regroup, uh, recuperated, got back, and then I'm like, okay, what can I do? And then this kind of came up on, I say, Facebook, I guess. I was in a running uh, group, and I threw something out there because – I had been in so many races, and to be honest, you get a shirt in every race you're in. You get mm -hmm. a lot of swag with it. Well, the shirts, some of them are frankly ugly, okay, yeah. and, and you don't like them. And I'm like, you know, I, I would love to have a shirt from like uh, Paraguay or Ecuador because I was seeing people all over the world that are into running. I didn't realize how wide running is within the world. 
So I put out there, I go, hey, does anybody want to switch shirts from a 5K? I didn't have that post up more than two minutes. And the amount of just hate coming at me, they're like, that's stolen valor. You can't do that. <laughs> Within the running community, you don't wear a shirt of a race you didn't race in. So they call it um, stolen valor. And somebody goes, dude, are you like a wannabe runner? And I'm like, yeah, I guess. And I had been running for five or six years at the time. So I'm like, that kind of cool. Because every time I do something, I learn something new about the running community. Like just about three months ago, I found out the term junk miles. And it's basically... You're just running miles just to run them. You're not training. You're just, I'm going out for a three-mile run. Oh, are you going to do fartlicks? Are you going to do speed run? Are you going to do strides? No, I'm just running. Oh, junk <laughs> miles. I huh. had never heard of the term. I've never heard of that either. It, it, it goes into the bicycling world, and lifters do it too. They call it junk weights. In other words, mm. I'm just going to go out, and I'm going to deadlift 400 pounds. Oh, are you trying to strike? No, I'm just going to deadlift no, just 400 because. pounds. Yeah, just because. So they call it junk miles or junk fill in the blank. So yeah, I'm always learning new stuff, but uh, I also like to share the stuff that I've learned with people, but the, the wannabe runner is pretty much it encapsulates it because I've also been criticized for different things. I do. They're like, wait, you've got a half marathon this week. You got a 5k the following week. Then you're doing a trail run four weeks after that. A lot of serious runners, they'll pick something and they will go down Mm. that road. Yeah. I just do whatever. <laughs> I have found out though that sometimes I don't I don't want to pay for races too far out because they do get expensive. Like this yeah. race, I just paid for it today, the one that I'm doing this weekend. Cause it's like, okay, am I really ready for a half marathon? <laughs> yeah. And then second of all, um, do we have a car that's gonna get us to New York? Yeah. <laughs> Because so I'm starting your... to have problems with my truck, so. <laughs> oh, no. So what was your highest weight and all that? Okay, my highest weight I ever recorded myself at in 2004, I was at, I weighed myself in Wheeling, West Virginia on a cat truck scale because I was so big, I didn't know how to weigh myself. And I didn't know that there were doctors that had scales that went over 400 because everyone I'd seen was maybe 400, 410. I got up to 471. That's the, the highest I ever weighed myself. A couple times I went and tried to lose weight and we purchased a scale that, and we still have it to this day. It's a one that you would get at one of the big and tall stores mm-hmm. and we paid a lot of money for it, but it only went up to 460, but I stayed below that 460 for several years. That was my, okay, if I'm getting in, it, it won't register. It'll just keep doing dashes. I'm over yeah. 460. Yeah. So I, I always hovered somewhere around 450 when I really hit the wall and had what I call the day where I decided I've got I've to do something because trying to lose weight on my own isn't working and I needed to be around for my daughter. Yeah. And uh, the story of that was it was the day after Christmas 2013 and I was getting ready for work. And we're out in the family room by the uh, Christmas tree. And my daughter's trying to get on my lap. At that point, I was so big, I really didn't have any lap for her to get Mm. on. She was six years old. But she kept trying to crawl back up. And she's laughing and giggling. And I Mm -hmm. started laughing and giggling. Then my wife started laughing because it was funny. She'd get a leg up. And then she'd go to turn around and she'd slide off and get up. And we're all laughing. 
but inside I was crying. Yeah. It yeah. just tore me up. I just, I, I started referring to it as the day because that was the day I, if I wanted to be around for her, I had to do something. And it's really funny. A lot of people have rock bottom for whatever it is, whether they're a drug addict, an alcoholic, if they're, they're I just so happens my dead rock bottom. I got a picture taken 30 seconds after it happened. My daughter sat next to me. My wife picked up her phone, took a picture, and I got that. And it's always been kind of my reminder mm-hmm. of yeah. that's the day. And I started losing weight then. And I was going through and worked with the surgeons because I knew, okay, I've lost weight before. Like everybody else, we've probably went on some sort of a diet. You've lost weight. But then something happens and you stumble and then you gain it back. Mm-hmm. And the reason I knew I needed to have weight loss surgery is I needed a tool that was going to help because trying to explain it to people was, okay, your stomach is about the size of a softball. Mine's about the size of a high school football. Mm-hmm. I stop eating. All I'm thinking about is how there's nothing in that void. Yeah. And if they say, well, it'll shrink, I go, okay. So it shrinks from high school football to a middle school football. It doesn't go down to what a smaller amount is. I need help. So I got a lot of people that were happy for me that I got it. There were, and I guess you guys probably, and you've ran across other people that have had one or several people bring up that, oh, it's the easy way out. Or, Mm -hmm. oh, I know somebody, and then they put the weight back on. In other words, they're going to give you every excuse possible not realizing that, oh, so we don't blame the drug addict for taking uh, the, I can't think of the name of the Narcan. drug, Narcan, but you'll blame me for getting weight loss surgery to help something. Well, I like how you called it a tool because it, mm-hmm. it is, it, it's not a, it's not a solution. It's not a end all be all fix all. It mm-hmm. is, here's a tool to help. But you still have to have the discipline. You have to have the follow through. You have to have the follow up. You have to have the lifestyle changes Mm -hmm. to utilize that tool. Somebody can give you a socket wrench and say, you know, go fix your car. But if you're trying to use your socket wrench as a hammer, it's not you're you're using it incorrectly. Yeah. And you're you're gonna there obviously gonna be people that are gonna fail at it because we've seen it before we hear stories about um people that have had weight loss surgery they put it back on i swear if i've heard it once i've heard it a hundred times well that was a person who maybe at that time was not ready for weight loss surgery or didn't understand that okay the old you will creep up in in life and yeah that's it's painful the first year or so, you're going to have to get used to eating. But then what happens is if you don't take care of it up here in your head, mm-hmm. you start going back. I I myself personally am eight years post-op and about five or six years post-op is when I started. Every now and then I would find that, wow, I would fill up a plate like Big Pete. Because mm-hmm. when, I, when I do my motivational speaking... I literally separate it up. I go big Pete and not so big Pete. And then they, they both coexist in my head. Mm -hmm. The problem is 
not so big Pete has to be the primary person to say, hey, we can't do this. So which surgery did you have? I had, and then this, I thought it was called the duodenal switch until I was being interviewed for a race um, that I was doing, that I had a bariatric surgeon. He was interviewing me because he was sponsoring me to run in that half marathon for him because he mm -hmm. happened to do that. And we're doing the interview and he goes, and Pete had the duodenal switch. I'm like, what? I go, I thought it was pronounced duodenal. So I don't know. I think it's, it's I now say duodenal, but then I've heard a lot of people say duodenal. So I, 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 I talked to somebody last night that said duodenal and I was like, oh, I've always been pronouncing it wrong. Cause I said it the way your surgeon said it. The duodenal. Yeah. yeah. Well, well, here's what's funny is I, I know people that are in the medical field. They're like, oh, yeah, the duodenal. I know where that is. But when I was saying duodenal, they had no idea. <laughs> so, yeah, I had that surgery in uh, March of 2014. And why did you choose that particular procedure? Well, it goes back to Big Pete, uh, his mindset. Um, if you're going to go, you got to go big because I knew how I was. and I needed something that had the guaranteed highest uh, highest results, meaning when they were laying it out and showing me, they're like, okay, with that surgery, you're going to have to take a lot more supplements because you're only going to have 80% absorption, whereas with all mm -hmm. the other different ones, you have a variation higher than that. Some only have um, uh, an absorption of 95%, meaning you're only do I wanted the most possible because I just knew i i just knew myself so mm -hmm. i want to do that now in hindsight if i could go back and say hey pete you're gonna accomplish some great things guess what you're gonna run a marathon not one not two three you're gonna run like this weekend i'm getting ready to run my i think it's 21st i've lost track i've ran so many half marathons i honestly i'd have to look at my spreadsheet <laughs> to see how many I, i've done in these years I've done that. I became a firefighter. I've done a bunch of amazing things. And I would go back and tell myself, you know what? You could have probably gotten away with the ruin why or just the sleeve or something a little simpler. Mm -hmm. You don't necessarily need to go to this because um, in the weight loss surgery, if let's say you had a lesser one and you see those people that balloon up the du duodenal switch, duodenal switch, is that that's the one they could do on that so have you guys heard of people that have had weight loss surgery two and three times mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that surgery is the last one you get that you don't get anymore there's yeah. no they have not came up with anything that's after that so if i was to get bigger it's like okay well they would what are they going to do it again no they can't <laughs> yeah because that was developed as a oh well we can revise this well you did show some progress here let's get you um on this surgery and now you know how to correct it. And was your insurance able to cover it or yes, did you have I, insurance issues? I, I got, well, I went in, they approved originally for the ruin way, but my surgeon said that Pete is an actually really good candidate for this surgery. Mm -hmm. And uh, by just, going through a couple extra steps and another psychological thing, they said, yeah, I was a good candidate for it because one, one thing that 
I was uh, told is that if you were athletic at one point in your life, that surgery is a really good option for you. And they give the example of uh, NFL and college linemen. Uh, basically, they've taken a lot of calories a day. They work out. They're built. They're athletic. Mm -hmm. Then they stop. But they still eat a lot of calories every day. Mm -hmm. So that surgery kind of goes with it. And to tie it back into me, for being 450 pounds, I was mobile. I actually, I, I, I did a lot of jobs. I would move, didn't move fast, but I could move. I could do things. Their, their thing was, okay, he's shown that he's got the ability to do stuff. This may help. Let's do that. And they all, all the parties agreed and said, yeah, let's do it. And I was supposed to have my surgery in June of that year. And I got called four days before. And they're like, hey, we had this on there. That person canceled. Your surgery's up. You're you're on the you're on the batter's box. <laughs> like, you're I like oh shit. Have... <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it was the whole yeah, I I I'd went through all my stuff about February of that year. They're like, okay, and here's your surgery date. And they scheduled it four months out. And then all of a sudden I get a phone call. Boom. It's like I called my uh where I worked. I said, Hey, I'm going in. And they're like, okay. <laughs> what kind of requirements did you have to have for the surgery? Um, in what way? Like for, for the insurance, I'm sorry. For my insurance, uh, basically they wanted that me to show that I had tried weight loss before. And going back to 2005, I had went on a, a, a weight loss program called uh, OptiFast. And it was through... <laughs> a local weight loss clinic here in Northeast Indiana that basically the insurances around here were all saying, you need to do this first. And if you fail, then we'll talk to you about weight loss surgery. So mm -hmm. I had been thinking, I had been thinking about weight loss surgery going all the way back to 1999. Like mm -hmm. I had started hearing about that. I'm like, okay, you know, maybe, maybe this might help me. So in 2005, we went through it and I lost 150 pounds, but then, much like to lead back into the story about I needed a tool to help. I might be able to lose 150 pounds again, but then I'll put it back on. Yeah. So I would having had went through that, my insurance says, well, yeah, you did go through it. You put the weight back on. Let's give you the next step. So that's why when everything started in, in fall and uh, uh, winter of 2013, I was lucky enough to get in and get a surgery by spring of 2014 because I had had that requirement for, mm -hmm. I have, I have one, I have a gentleman that is on the fire department with me who he's a non-competitive because he got big in life and he's having to go through, okay, we need to show that you can lose a little bit of weight beforehand. Whereas mm -hmm. I had shown I had done it once before, but then kind of failed at it. So yeah. It was uh, it was things like that. I had that already kind of in my wallet mm -hmm. that I went through one medically supervised weight loss and then basically didn't succeed long term in it. Mm -hmm. And did you have any complications with your surgery? I had them about uh, 16 months post-op. Um, came home uh, July of 2015. and. I was, uh, I was working overnight and I got, came home 
just wasn't feeling good, couldn't go to the bathroom. And the only comfort I was getting is I would throw up, then I'd be okay for about a half hour. And then I was sick again. And finally, after a couple hours, I walked to my wife and go, okay, we got to go to the, the hospital. Something's wrong. And we had two hospitals that we could go to that are near our house. And we we're going to go to the new one that was up on the north side, bigger, everything. I didn't have time. We had to go to the closest one to my house because mm -hmm. I walked in the door and they they put me into a room immediately. So wow. um, after going through, they had found out that one of the intestinal tracts from my surgery, I had stopped digesting food and it rotted in there. Oh, oh shit. So they wow. basically did some stuff and uh, they examined me and my surgery wasn't up here in Northeast Indiana. I actually had it down in Indianapolis, which is uh, about two hours away from where I live. And they had put me in an ambulance and took me down there because after talking with the weight loss surgery center, they're like, yeah, get, get him down here. We're going to see what's a matter because they couldn't figure out what was going on. I get down there and they had me under and things were so bad that they basically had to cut me stem to stern and pull all my intestines out. And he cut a foot here, six inches there and stitched it back because I had, it had rotted in so many different places. Wow. And I was in the intensive care for about 72 hours post-op. And then I had another several days in the hospital after that, before I came home, I actually didn't get back to work for almost 90 days. Wow. And part of it was we figured out that I went back to work a little too early. And at the time I was doing medical currying, driving a car. And I was going out to all the community hospitals out in the country and every road was like a washboard. And I was doing 180 so miles a day. Torsion. So what was happening? I yeah, I was shaking my insides. And what happened was I get food stuck down in there, and it wasn't passing through. Mm. So huh. it it got stuck in the one digestive tract and would rot. And so it it's been corrected. I've not had a problem with any of it since then. That's crazy. I've never heard yeah. of that before. Yeah, I've never heard of that either. Well, with the the surgery when that you come out of the stomach. They give you two tracks. There's literally your intestine. You have two sets of intestines. And then the other one goes directly to the side of your colon. Mm. And so uh, I think it was that intestinal tract that got infected. Because food will move slower in that one, but you will get no absorption in that one. It's the regular one mm -hmm. that you get your absorption through. Huh. Did you have any health conditions uh, prior to the surgery that improved? Um. Prior to it, by about July of 2013, they'd put me on metformin mm -hmm. and they were starting to do the, okay, we got to start watching this. I had been diagnosed with sleep apnea, but I wouldn't wear the machine because I would wake up and freak out mm -hmm. and take it off. And I couldn't, I didn't like it. And what was happening is it was blowing out my uh, eustachian tube on my left side and then I was getting infections and I started where I was getting, uh, uh, not hangs. I, I was getting, uh, where the room starts spinning, um, vertigo, vertigo. Yes. I was getting vertigo issues and it was happening multiple times, uh, back the first 
the first bout of vertigo, I was uh, covering a NASCAR race because one of my in my prior career, I was in radio for 18 years as a, a reporter for different sports outlets. I was at a NASCAR race and all of a sudden the room's moving around. and I'm like, what's going on? And come to find out I got in, had an ear infection. I had vertigo kick in and I'd mm-hmm. had it several other times since then. And I, it's pretty much, yeah, the sleep apnea was putting too much air in and if they dialed it down, it didn't do its job. So I just quit mm-hmm. doing that, but I had been diagnosed with sleep apnea and then also blood pressure medicine. I had high blood pressure. They took me off that less than a week after I had my weight loss surgery. Like I dropped, 10, 15 pounds and my blood pressure was normal. Yeah. Mm. Now going back to in December when, as I call it the day I started losing weight. So I was at <laughs> 454 the day after Christmas. By the time I had my surgery, I was down to 420 something. I had lost 20 something pounds on my own. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, the first thing I did is I quit drinking pop. I've not had pop since, uh, about the 27th of December. 2014 oh, wow. uh, eight years post-op i still don't i i've not drank it at all um the best thing i do is i'll go crystal light in a bottle of water or if we're at a restaurant i'll drink lemonade you've only had the one little six ounce can since I had, yours. i've had two oh, but have? that's in three months did you have to train yourself to drink it well and that's the problem is that i I still want to drink it faster than I should. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, you know what? I'll these will just be for every once in a while kind of kind of deal, but I used to drink soda like Oh, yeah, you would have two or three, of them. two or three a day. I I was probably a, a probably a two maybe one to two 2 liter bottles of Mountain Dew a day. That's wow. I mean, I drank it a lot. I mean, especially because I used to always work overnight, so it was the caffeine, mm-hmm. and yep. I didn't like Red Bull, and five-hour energies weren't really a thing at the time. I mean, they were around, but I didn't really like them, so I, it was Mountain Dew was my, my caffeine of choice. I didn't drink coffee, but uh, yeah, when, when I was going through all my pre-op, and they're like, okay, here's what's going to have to happen. You're going to have to take these supplements and all that, and there's been times like I was utterly broken can't afford anything but the flintstones chewables and mm. you feel it so i make sure if anything i've always got my supplements and all that and people they just laugh that they're like wow you take that many pills well i have to yeah because yeah you need that but i i resigned myself that that's what i needed another thing i wasn't going to drink pop again there was one time i took a sip of a seven up when i wasn't feeling good and i was sick and it made me throw up instantly. I'm like, oh, wow. oh. And that was like three or four years post-op. But uh, one thing I think is a great thing is uh, if you've got a good surgeon and they've got a really good support system post-op, take, take advantage of that. And if you've had weight loss surgery before and you're starting to put weight on, go back to it. They're not going to look bad at you. There's other people that are there. But that was always a nice thing, the accountability-wise. But that's also where I found out that people, there's there's sites out there that'll teach you how to cheat your surgery, like teach you how to start drinking Pepsi and Diet Pepsi immediately mm-hmm. post-op. Like, okay, let it go flat. Just drink flat pop and yeah. then slowly progress. It's like, wow, that's that well, yeah. a person that, that wants to do that day one after the surgery wasn't really mentally ready for it. 
Yeah. Well, and that goes into my next uh, question when you had brought up the support system with the, mm -hmm. the surgeon's office, what kind of support system do you have? Uh, personally or with the surgeon? Um, Both. Our, our, Both. The, the surgeon, I got lucky and I picked a really great one down in Indianapolis that has a statewide uh, support system and they have group meetings all over the state. So I live up in the Northeast corner of Indiana. Uh, they always hold it in Fort Wayne, which is the big metropolitan up here, but they have them in smaller towns just about an hour away. But almost you could you could hit a group meeting once a month within 100 miles of each other that are all over the state. So it was a great thing that they have them there for the support. They also take you in, do your uh, every six month evaluation for up to I think it was second or third year then they'd go once a year and i still make a point to go in there they've got a dietitian that anytime i go through india if i want to i could walk in and go hey can, I, can we talk and boom it's great so every now and then for my current job i have to go to indianapolis i'll set aside an hour just to step in and go hey here's what's going on and they they can pass a note on to the doctor and go hey um Pete's not feeling good about this. Why don't we get this checked? And then you tell us what you think. And that's a great thing there. That's so amazing. The, the, they've got an amazing uh, staff. And part of me to add to it is I did a lot of research because I had a coworker back before I had mine. She had gotten weight loss surgery. But she got it from, and I don't want to say it, but this is the best way to describe it, a fly-by-night uh, surgeon mm -hmm. where they go into a place, set up a clinic, and they're there for two or three years, and then they're gone. She got handed a binder and said, there, if you got a problem, go to the ER. And like looking through her binder, I'm like, okay, some of this stuff, yes, there's a lot of protein and nuts, but right after surgery, you don't want to be eating nuts because that's like sandpaper on an open wound. Right. Yeah. And she kept having bleeding problems because she was the only thing she liked the taste of was nuts. Like mm. she read in there that you can have nuts and she's eating three handfuls of peanuts and then she's going to the ER because she had internal bleeding. Mm. Right. She didn't fully heal. If there's anything that I, I tell people that are in the in the group that are pre-op, I go, just reach out to other people, look at what, what uh, stuff is available and uh, kind of plan what you're going to do, but don't go overboard mm -hmm. um, and do your research. I mean, there, there was, and I've not been able to find it because somebody asked me, there was actually a website I found one time that ranked the weight loss surgeons in the state of Indiana. And I saw that my, my surgeon, she was in the top five. Mm -hmm. And basically it's the ones at the bottom. They're the ones that go into a town set up for a couple of years and they're gone. They have no mm -hmm. support system. People have issues. So I did my research. That That's a, that's one thing. If, if you've got listeners that are pre-op, I would tell them do research, find a good talk to people that have had that weight loss surgeon have went through their, their uh, surgery clinic, get as much information as you can what were the, what do you like about them? What do you dislike about them? And that, mm -hmm. that, that's a great thing that helps with the support system. Now, when you come to the personal side, you were asking, I had a great, because my wife has been totally on board with this. 
Uh, we had been together at that time about 14 years and uh, she knew that I really wanted to get this because she had saw me struggle. She saw me lose the 150 pounds and then put it back on slowly. And it was just, it's something that needed to get done or else I wasn't going to be around. I mean, I look at it now, I probably wouldn't be around. Yeah. I may have been a big guy and I can move around and all that, but guess what? Mm -hmm. That's also a person that's primed for a heart attack. I'm mm -hmm, all of a right. sudden I'm loading the back of a truck or doing something or slinging a, a heavy radio equipment around and uh, a NASCAR track or a college football stadium. And I fall over because and that's it. Okay, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Boom. So it, it's one of those. Okay. I, I basically, I had a, a great support system with her. My stepmother had had weight loss surgery back just before my wife and I got uh, weight or before we got married. And she had, I think she had the ruin way and I'd saw her success and she gave me a lot of help. I had an aunt uh, who lived down in Florida who I had had weight loss surgery. I don't remember what kind she had, but she, Oh, she had the, the ring around the stomach. I can't think oh, of that. Band. Yeah. That band. And she talked to me about that. And that was one of those. I'm like, okay, well, there's that. She goes, here's the problem. She goes, you get full and then it goes past the lap band and you're hungry again. And what happens is that becomes the thing. It's like, oh, you just got to eat a lot, a little at a time. Mm -hmm. And then, so she lost a lot of weight, but then she put it back on. She's like, I think I, I would have had a different uh, surgery. And then um, there were other people I saw uh, within a short amount of time and it helped build my uh what i wanted to do and where i needed to go and find a surgeon and all that but with the family they were all supportive in every way with it so i didn't have anybody in my immediate family that was against it good and did you ever have buyer's remorse i did the second i woke up from uh <laughs> anesthetic like i literally i'm like oh my god am i a what have person? i done yeah exactly because it's like no Oh, there, that was a pain. Oh, there was a pain. I just could not. Oh, mm. I, yeah. I mean, no when I woke up. do, at, how you lay, how you sit, it's just it's yeah. there. Well, the, the weird thing was like, okay, when I woke up at the hospital, when I had the intestinal blockage and they did all that and I was in the ICU, I had God knows how many lines hooked up to me. I didn't feel as bad then as I did after the weight loss surgery. Like I woke up and then I'm like, Oh my God, what did I do? I yeah. started doing that. I go, wait, I lost 20 pounds in a couple of weeks. Uh, and I had buyer's remorse immediately, but then things started going down and I liked it. I'm like, okay, mm. this is good. Yeah. What was your favorite or what has been your favorite non-scale victory? Um, oh, I, it's an, it's one of those weird things where, um, it would have been about August, maybe late July of the year after of the same year after I had the weight loss surgery, we walked into a store and I bought a shirt off the rack and the store didn't say big and tall on the store. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That was my favorite. Like I, I looked at my wife and go, yeah, they had three X, but I go, I've not bought any clothes at a, at a, at a, regular department store mm -hmm. in forever i always had to go to the big and tall store and buy the one pair of underwear for 26 dollars <laughs> yeah. so i mean that, that that was the the that was one of the the main uh non-scale victories because it was like wow 
I don't have to go to the big and tall. I still get coupons from the big and tall store and I get them. And every now and then I look at my laugh, I go, yep, never have to go back there. Again. <laughs> That's a good feeling. Yeah. Cause I, I felt like, yes, I know we're using more material in our clothes, but I felt like, wow, they're just taking advantage of a person. Yeah, it's like, yeah. Oh yeah. Hey, we make six X shirts. Well, that's only two, three X shirts. Why is it five <laughs> times the cost? I can right. do the math. <laughs> You're sitting there going, I don't even need Excel yeah. or an abacus for this. <laughs> yeah, know, exactly. This wrong. Yeah. Three X, three XL plus three XL is a six XL. That's what I wear. <laughs> Why can I go to a uh, Meyer, a Walmart, a Target, and only pay this much? But no, if I if I want a Pulp Fiction shirt or something, yeah, it's fifty four dollars. Yeah. Ooh, I got a five dollar coupon this month. So like, Ooh, <laughs> save a little bit of money. <laughs> and what kind of ways do you reward yourself that are not food related? Uh, it's the running the races. I mean, they get yeah. expensive. I'll tell you, they get expensive, expensive, expensive. Oh, but I believe I, it. I've got one that has became now a tradition that except for the first year of COVID, um, we go and do it every year. It's always the Saturday after the 4th of July up in Traverse City, Michigan. There's a half marathon. It's on the Grand Traverse uh, Peninsula. And you start up there and you run through these cherry orchards. For about two miles then you get on a highway that is on the sunset coast of the peninsula so you're running along and there's lake michigan there and you get a gentle breeze and it's just you're running along million dollar houses it's beautiful scenery the air is crisp if if there's a gateway to heaven it's got to be somewhere along that road in my head <laughs> so i love it so much so that we plan our vacation around it and it's we don't necessarily spend the whole vacation there, but we always go, okay, we're leaving Friday morning. We're going to go there. We'll camp, get a hotel. Then we'll go somewhere from there. After yeah. that. So, so I, we run the race. I go back, clean up. We go to this parade and I found a place on at the end of the race as we were going down a stretch, we're going, I look over and there's this little Italian restaurant called Pellucci's or something like that or Paisans. That's what it's called. And I told my wife, I go, we got to get a pizza there while we're at the parade. Because it just, it looked like, like the way that Billy Joel describes scenes in an Italian restaurant in the song. That's what that place <laughs> looked like. <laughs> and, and pizza was my thing before yeah. that. That was my go-to. I always ate it. Mm -hmm. But I'm like, okay, I ran the race. I want to have a good slice of pizza. Well, before I could eat a 14, 16-inch pizza by myself. Now mm -hmm. I'll eat one slice. But... Right. That became the post-race tradition. Now we go to the we we go there, we camp, do whatever. I run the race. After the race, clean up. We go, we set up, uh, get our, our chairs in front of that plate, the the uh, the pizza parlor. We get a pizza and we watch the parade for two hours. And then we go back, pack up, and if we're heading to Mackinac Island or we're going to the Upper Peninsula or we're going down and we're taking the ferry across Lake Michigan to Green Bay, we've done variations of mm -hmm. our uh, of our vacation just to uh, basically take advantage of of that, so that I get to ride uh, or get to run in the race. Sorry, my battery's about going dead on my computer. It just no. says plug in, so. I've got a gnat that's driving me crazy. Oh. 
So how did you get into the running? Okay, so the running, that was kind of a, a, a an accidental mistake, but it became <laughs> something kind of really cool. And what's funny is, uh, to, I'll tell you the story. So my daughter, um, it was during the summer of 2000. Uh, we were going on vacation. We were at a, a hotel and my daughter hops into a pool and she starts swimming. And this guy looks at her. She's like six years old. And he's like, wow. Um, so how competitive is she? I go at what? He's like, well, she's in a competition swimming suit and she's swimming really good. I, he, and then he explained to me, he's a swimming coach in mm -hmm. like Pennsylvania or Ohio. And it's like, no, we just bought the swimsuit and our daughter's in the pool. We had a pool at our house and she swam, but it's like, okay. Um, he's like, well, just know she's got really good form. And so we get back from there and I said something to my wife and uh, we decide, let's take her down uh, to one of the local swim teams and have them assess her. And they're like, yeah, she's pretty good. We'd like to have her on the team. Well, flash forward eight years later, my daughter's still a swimmer but that fall we would take her to swim practice and while practice is going on you're out with all the swim moms mm -hmm. and you get around them and it's yip 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 and it was at the ymc i'm like okay i'm i, I can't handle this anymore i'm going and I, so i went up and i started walking on the track mm -hmm. and in high school, I played football and I also ran track. I was on the track team, but I, I did shot put and discus. So mm -hmm. I was I was a muscle sports field uh, type guy. But I uh, went up there and I started walking and I'm like, okay, let's see if I could run one lap on this track. And mm -hmm. I ran. I'm like, I was winded. I'm like, man, that felt good. And then I'm going, I wonder if I could run, work myself up to a mile. And I slowly started working myself up to a mile. And I remember that day that I did a mile, I'm like, Oh my God. And I was literally doing the math in my head. I'm like, I hadn't ran probably a mile since college. Mm -hmm. And it, and it was, it would have been my sophomore year of college. Cause I took running as a class in college. I'm like, well, this will help me lose weight. And <laughs> at that time that was a class. <laughs> well, I I'm not, I'm not the greatest college student. I, there was a little a little loophole at my college where if you dropped a class at half semester, it didn't show up on your grades, even if you were failing it. Mm -hmm. But to keep your student loans, you had to have X amount of credit hours. Yeah. So uh... the PE classes were only half a semester. <laughs> mm -hmm. <clears throat> I took yep. badminton as a class. They had badminton, there's volleyball, all these half semesters. Well, running was <laughs> one of them. They're like, okay, I'm like, well, this will put me in shape. So I took <laughs> running as a class that was only half semester long, so I could keep it because yeah I couldn't I I was failing biology yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> I no I didn't want to lose my student loan and have to pay back yeah. I'm like I had to remit it twelve hours so when when I go to graduate everybody's like were you a PE major it's like no <laughs> not exactly I, I just I just really didn't want to <laughs> become ineligible for student loans so I had to keep twelve hours so it's like yep you're taking ping pong. <laughs> I actually I took square dancing. Uh yeah, uh badminton. I took all the dumb stuff. Uh I didn't make it as far as bass fishing. That was actually a class at my school. Wow. Where I went to college. But so I took that last time I'd ran a, a mile would have been my sophomore year of college. So that would have been uh, 94, 95. So about 
20 years later, I ran one again. But then I'm like, okay, I wonder if I could run a 5K. And I'm like, okay, let me see if I can get up to this. I got two miles. So I'm like, okay, this is hard. This is hard. I, I don't know if I could do that. And then I got up to two. and I'm like, okay, I could do a 5K. And then I did one. And I'm like, oh, wow, this is great. A couple of weeks later, did another one. And then I just, and then I did, I did my third one on July, on the 4th of July. It was a, at a little community around here. But then a couple of days later is when I went in the hospital with the infection and mm -hmm. it put the brakes on everything. Well, after taking from July through about July through about eh, about January, I'm like, okay, I'm going to start running again. Mm -hmm. And but this time, I'm really going to do something. I wanted to do a half marathon. And I figured out I'm going to do it by May. And I committed myself to do the Indie Mini, which is one of the top premier ones uh, for people. It's a great one. If you're looking to get into, say, that's a bucket list thing. You've had your weight loss surgery. Like, Pete, I want to do one. Take this piece of information. Yes, your little community may have a half marathon. But if there's only 50 people running it, 100 people running it, what happens is it's a nice tight race. You're amongst other people, but then you get so far out and it spreads out and now you're out on a country run and it's not mm -hmm. fun. Pick a big race. Pick one of the big ones like the Indy Mini or the Pigs Flyer, the Chattanooga. One where there's seven, eight hundred, two thousand runners. You're always going to be around people to motivate you. So mm -hmm. I got lucky in the fact that was my first one. I picked that because I had heard somebody say, yeah, if you're going to do your first one, do it where there's a lot of people. Because what happens is when you want to give up, you just start looking around and go, okay, I can do this. Mm -hmm. So I did that one in May and it was part of my addictive nature where I go, okay, I've done one. Could I do two? <laughs> yeah. and, that's, and that's when... We were figuring out where are we going to go for vacation? We wanted to go to Mackinac Island and go camping. And then I start doing, I go, wait, there's this one in Traverse City, Cherry Marathon. And I did a little, I go, this sounds like it'd be cool. Starts in a cherry vineyard and then runs down the road. Let's try that. So my second ever one is my favorite one that I do all the time. I'm, I, I, I'm getting ready to do it for the sixth or seventh time. I, yeah, I haven't even lost track <laughs> on that <laughs> one, but, um, yeah, and then I did that one, and then I did a third one in September in my hometown uh, that year. So by the first year after that, I had done three half marathons in one year, and then I committed myself to the next year. I was going to do my first marathon, which, by the way, sucks. Running marathon, <laughs> I love running half marathons. Running marathons suck. You Because uh, what happens is, for me, a half marathon is about the most pain and excursion I can handle before it starts just sucking. Like, <laughs> it's like when, when you get to 13.1 miles in a marathon, you're like, oh, my God, I got to do this again. <laughs> and, and I've actually run further than that. I've done what's called an ultra. Uh, I've done 26.8 miles. So anything more than 26.2 miles is an ultra. Unless, and this is where it goes back to the wannabe runner, there are a lot of people that are like, no, an ultra is anything over 31 miles, 50K. <laughs> it's like, okay, this is where, I, really, because some people say an ultra is anything one, one step more than a full marathon, and mm -hmm. then a, a, a vast majority of the purists and the ones that they, they train at altitude and they 
they got a six-week taper to a race and they put it on their calendar and they do nothing between that, they're the ones that are saying, yeah, if it's not 31 <laughs> miles. <laughs> yeah. That's crazy. So how often do you run every day? No. Uh, that's where the the first, when I prepared for my first couple races that were long, yes, mm -hmm. I did. But I didn't know that that's not the way you want to do it. Mm -hmm. Now, there are people that do run streaks every day. Uh, I, I follow several on Instagram, and there's one guy. He's on like 2,000-some-odd days consecutively running. I'm like, Damn. wow. Yeah. Um, and then I've, I've seen other people that that was their New Year's resolution this year. They're on day 110 like because we're 110 days since that. That's good, but there's what you need to do is start varying. I found out that I do much, much better when – Okay, I run on a Sunday, and then I take Monday off, or I do elliptic, elliptical, or I ride mm -hmm. the bike. Um, today, like right now, I'm going to run a, a, a half marathon on Sunday. I have not run since Monday. So, but I've been doing stuff. I was on an elliptical yesterday. I went and worked out with personal trainer today because uh, I found out one thing. If you're big, your body doesn't look the, the same as everybody else's. And you have to deal with, well, guess what? You were so big for so long that your feet are out at an angle. You stood that way because you had to be comfortable. And, well, you you don't want to run that way. You want to run with your feet straight and you want to plant different. And part of it is getting over those old habits. So yeah. if you want to cut time and, and deal with stuff, you want to start learning. How, you almost got to learn how to rewalk. Um if I could go back and tell myself, Hey, you're going to do some marathons. You're going to do this, but get it, get a coach, just do some education, watch some videos online. Like when I, when I did my first half marathon, I literally did no research. Unlike my weight loss surgery, where I researched weight loss <laughs> yeah. surgeons out the wazoo, I did nothing other than, okay, I guess, well, if I'm going to run 13, one miles, uh, just keep running, just run every day, run every day, yeah. run every day. <laughs> I think I rested two days for the two days before my first half marathon. And then I found out later there are formulas for getting ready for a race. And now everybody's, mm -hmm. and this is where somebody in the comment section that is a true runner. They're like, yeah, this guy is such a wannabe. <laughs> the week before your race, you're supposed to run the amount of miles for that race that you're coming up to. So I'm going to do 13.1. I was supposed to have run at least 13.1 miles that week, which I did. But there are other people who are like, no, that's not right. You're supposed to do 80% of that. It's like, okay. Um, <laughs> I, I, there's so many schools of thought on things, and that's what it is. I, uh -huh. Much like anything else, you're going to have purists. You're going to have people that know. Mm -hmm. And again, 90% of us fall in between. Yeah, exactly. Here's the thing. I know. I know enough that I don't know enough. <laughs> That's yeah. the best way to put it. But I enjoy doing it. I, I don't fault anybody on, on any of it. My my ultimate goal is I would like to break two hours on a half marathon. I've gotten really close. I've done some stupid stuff on half marathons. I, two years in a row, I literally parked the car and ran to the starting line and bam, took off. Because <laughs> I, I didn't time it right. Um, I was doing the race up in South Bend, Indiana. And I had my dad pick all my stuff up because he lives there and getting ready to go to bed. We're like, okay, da, da, okay, it's two hours. We're going to park here. And we did the math. And somehow 
me getting there an hour beforehand in my head, we had changed it. We were a half hour late getting there. And I, I was speeding. Like I was going down a road that's supposed to be 55 miles an hour. I was doing 80, 85. I called my dad and go, meet me at the Arby's. I wasn't going to my dad's house to get the stuff. Meet me at the Arby's on whatever road I'm driving. I'm literally putting the bib on my clothes <laughs> as I'm at stoplights. I pull up and the first year it was okay. I got there and I hear for the land of the free and the home of the brave. I like, that's how close I was to the start. Like, good. <laughs> the very next year, we're not doing that again. We're going to go camping. We had just bought a camper. So we got the state park just south of there. Dad comes down, visits, we hang out. And I'm like, okay, well, we'll get there a half hour beforehand. Well, if I went from the front gate of this, the, of the, of the, uh, the state park to where we wanted to park, I left in enough time. It was 25 minutes from the campground within ate up all my time to get there. Oh no. So I'm literally doing what I did the previous year. I told my wife, I go, this isn't happening again. And, and as I'm parking my van, I hear the cannon go off for the race. Oh no. Oh, no. And I, and I literally, I kiss my wife and I go, I, no, I go running without having stretched, without having doing nothing. Oh now, no. No. You want to laugh? That was my fastest half marathon ever. Oh, oh, shit. No. <laughs> I collapsed at the at the finish line. Like oh, I literally shit. crossed. I, I crossed the finish line. I'm at Notre Dame Stadium. I'm waving at my wife and I just fall over. <laughs> and then I just sat there. I'm like, okay, that was a bad idea. So at that point, this is that had why been my I always want to go early to places. Yes. Yes. Oh yeah. Well, like for the 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 half marathon up in Traverse City. They've got buses for two hours that take you up to the Cherry Vineyard. You're not even allowed to park there because you start at one place, you finish downtown. Mm -hmm. Well, you park near downtown and they take you up on these buses. Well, I'm always on one of the first couple buses because <laughs> you get up there, it's dark, and you watch the sun slowly come up over the Cherry Vineyards and you oh, see wow. the dew. And it's just, again, it goes back to the whole, wow, this is kind of what heaven's got to be like because I yeah. find myself, I'm happy, I love the place. It's just, it's always a nice chill. It may be July 7th, but it's like, wow, it's a nice 50 degrees and mm -hmm. it's a good, good thing. And going back to the other thing, the, running to a race and just going is not good. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, what's funny that that second race where I, I, I was parking as the cannon went off in running, there's start time and there's chip time. Start time means the second the cannon went off, they start the thing. Chip time is on your bib. There's a chip that you go across. So if you're further back in the pack, they're not going to and it takes two and a half minutes to walk up to the start mm -hmm. line. They're yeah. not going to dock you that two and a half minutes. So you get a big race like the Indianapolis one or the Chicago where you, they'll put you in a corral and that wave. And what happens is you, you as a group slowly walk. And then as you go across, it starts. Well, for that, that one up in South Bend, the cannon went off and I go running to it. And just as they're starting to clean up the thing to get it ready for the 10K to start, the guy sees me running. He sees I got the, the bib for whatever color for that race, and he waves me on. And the funny thing is I wasn't the only one. There were several other people coming <laughs> running behind us. 
What's really funny is I get about a half mile down the road and I'm bolting past the walkers that are going to walk the half marathon. I'm like, oh, okay. So at least I'm not taking dead last. And I just kept going. <laughs> and what's funny is as we were pulling in, I told my wife, I go, yeah, this is a waste. I go, yeah, we paid, I paid however many bucks to be in this race, but whatever. I, and by the way, I've not run that race since then. My dad, <laughs> my dad and stepmom keep telling me, when are you going to come up and run? I go, every time I do, I never make it on time. <laughs> so, but, uh, so I, I got halfway through the race and I called my wife on my phone. Cause I, I don't, I don't, uh, run without music. I can't handle it because when you start losing a lot of weight, I've lost 287 pounds and I don't like the loose skin. It sounds like an applause section when I'm running. <laughs> so I, I basically, uh, I want to hear music that's going on. So I call my wife while I'm running. I go, I'm actually doing pretty good. I tell her what my time is going to be, what I think. Mm -hmm. And then she makes sure she's there to capture it because she's missed a couple finishes because I did so good. <laughs> like I, showed up too yeah, late. yeah. I found out the difference between running at where I live, the elevations 800 to 900 feet above sea level. Mm -hmm. I, I trained really hard because I wanted to break 25 minutes on a 5k and we were going to a wedding in South Carolina. I go, I want to run a race at sea level. And I told my wife, I go, I think I can get 25 minutes. And then all of a sudden I didn't see them when I'm crossing the finish line. I had done 23 minutes and 40 seconds. Oh, wow. Like, they saw me standing there, and my wife's like, "What the hell happened?" I, don't know. I did, I did way better than I thought. She's like, "Uh, like my daughter's like, yeah, you did." All of a sudden, I turn around, I see Daddy come across the finish line. So, so yeah, I try to, I try to let them know about how I'm doing in a race because there was one, one half marathon I was on. All of a sudden, my wife's got a. I've got tracking apps. There's a bunch of great ones. Mm -hmm. I recommend the Map My Run because you can go in and manipulate the stats. Whereas Strava, the Strava, they're the all-knowing. It's like, no, you took this long. No, I say I took this long. They won't let you edit it. Map My Run will. <laughs> so, but and Map My Run, it it will connect to my wife's phone. It'll tell her where I'm at because there was one time in a snowstorm, she came and picked me up because I had no idea where I was. The snow <laughs> was coming down so bad that I just kept going down roads. I had no idea where I was. I didn't oh, recognize wow. any of the houses. When she goes, where are you at? I go, oh, I think I'm over by Black Hawk Ministries. She goes, no, you're, 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 you're over by, uh, by uh, Hacienda Village, which was like <laughs> two and a half miles the other way. Like, I, I did not know where because the snow was coming down that bad. I, it would have been me wandering around like a homeless guy trying to find my way home. In but, uh, shorts and a <laughs> well, no, in the winter, I, I've got I've got running gear for the winter, which surprisingly, for for what you would think would be a cheap hobby, meaning oh, you buy tennis shoes. Running is expensive. There is so much gear. Like if you, if you one one thing, if you're big, like a lot of us are, you're going to have circulation issues. So you get compression leggings mm. to get. Uh, circulation to your toes i mean if there's one problem i had was when i started running i would only get two miles in my left foot would go numb i'd start in one toe and it would slowly creep up oh, and i had man. to work with a doctor to get it where now i get to about mile eight or nine before the numbness starts mm -hmm. and that's what that's another reason why full marathons suck because now i'm going for 16 miles with a numb leg and foot and wow. then you got to stop where's at a, if I'm doing a half marathon, it's like, oh, it went numb. Oh, I only got a 5K left, 3.1 miles. I can do that. But um, 
it's you've got the compression socks then you've got uh other things when i when i first started all the loose skin i had to get girdles the uh, the binder that they give you after mm -hmm. that yeah i had to get an athletic one because those chafed and you start bleeding so if any of your listeners are going to start doing stuff like bicycling or take up a sport where you've got a lot of jarring movement and you mm -hmm. want to keep the skin tight there basically do you remember the infomercials where you saw that that belt that they would put on oh you sweat the fat away yeah well <laughs> actually those are good because they will move along your skin and they yeah you will sweat but they'll keep your skin close to you so you don't get the mm -hmm. discomfort it cuts down mm -hmm. on the chafing and by the way there's a product out there uh that that you can get in any running shop that you put on all your loose skin that stops the chafing because Quite frankly, there's a lot of there's a lot of chafing <laughs> when you got skin everywhere. And I've never had skin removal surgery. That's the other thing. In eight years, I've got a, I've got a whole apron, but um, I've I've got this whole way I prep for my races. Mm -hmm. And back to the whole, it costs money. I've got all this stuff, the shoes, a uh, good pair of running shoes. By the way, going to a store and buying a pair of shoes that says running, that's a lie. Yeah. They could print running on the side of a box. Go to a real uh, running shoe store and get test fitted and they will let you test them and you find out what's comfortable for you. Because what happens is the more comfortable the shoe that fits the way you you strike your foot strikes and the way that you want to run makes it more comfortable, makes it more enjoyable. Because one thing you in running or bicycling or swimming, if you're uncomfortable, you're not going to enjoy it. Right. Right? Make yourself as comfortable <clears throat> as possible. Buy a hundred and eighty dollar pair of shoes. Just know that they're like tires on a car; they're gonna wear down. Like I remember the first time getting a really nice pair of Sakani running shoes, and I'm like, "Wow, I will never not run in these." And they wore out, and it started becoming uncomfortable. And somebody's like, "Yeah, you've probably got about five hundred miles on those shoes." I mean, since me starting, I'm at I'm at about. 3,500 miles I've ran. So I've went through probably 10 pair of shoes. I yeah. mean, the shoes that I'll be wearing this weekend, I think I'm going to, I'm planning on keeping them till the end of May. Then they become my yard mowing shoes and I'll get another yeah. pair to get ready for the half marathons in July. But yeah. it does get expensive. So, so a good pair of running shoes is anywhere from 180 to, to 300 bucks. And if you've got, wow. There, there are running shoes out there. They're seven, eight hundred bucks, and they're only it. good for they're only good for a hundred miles. Oh wow! Yeah, but if you want them, well, when when you look at the guy who broke the two hour or the two hour marathon, Kip Chong, his his shoes are only good for about a hundred miles. I mean, but they help. I mean, there's technology and all that stuff. Uh, but back to the thing about winter, there's all this clothing you can get. I've got gloves that are super thin, but I've ran in negative 33 degree weather. I started, wow. uh, that's another thing within my running that I loved. I started doing dumb stuff just so I could say I did it. One time we had a, a really bad cold snap and I got up at four in the morning because the coldest was going to be at four 30 to run in negative 33. No, that I, will to never say do you that. Did it. I did it. If you want to feel, if you want to feel what it feels like to breathe glass into your lungs, go yeah. running two I'll miles. Pass. Yeah, <laughs> that's gonna be a no for me, dog. Another dumb, and this was another dumb one I did. I ran in forty-five mile an hour wind, and what happened was I went to go run up. 
And a gust, gust of, no, a gust of wind stopped me. I came down, planted wrong, and about screwed my knee up. Like I, oh, no. it was one of those. I called my wife. I go, "This was a bad idea. Come get me." <laughs> She's like, "What's the matter?" I go, "The wind is about knocking me over." And I went up for a stride, and a gust brought me down. And it, I mean, it, I was, I came home and I threw bags of ice on my knee. Like I'm like, okay, I'm not running the high wind again. So yeah. there, there, there's there's things you can do to get yourself ready for it. Back to, uh, again, keep coming back to it. I've got a coat that you put on and you open zippers. So as you get warm, it will let air out, but you could start out colder. There's all this technology and I've bought it, but it's expensive. Oh, yeah. It, yeah. It, it, a $300 jacket. When I was in high school, my high school Letterman jacket was $300. I've now got a windbreaker that's $300 that with, if you, if you were to uncover all the little folds, it would look like Michael Jackson's zipper thing. <laughs> That's what it looked like. But it's okay. I need I need to cool off my chest. You open up a zipper here yeah. and there. Yeah. So, so what kind, go ahead. What kind of tips would you give to somebody just starting out on their weight loss journey? On the way, don't go. Don't go immediately for that that high brass ring. Just start mm -hmm. out slow, because if you've ever seen that meme. They're like, this is the difference between big steps and little steps. And it's the ladder that is looks achievable where they can go up. And then you've got that other ladder where it's there's uh -huh. six feet in mm -hmm. between each one. Between the rungs. The rungs. That's what it is. In other words, if if let's say you take the path that I want, you want to become a runner. You're like, you know what? I ran when I was in high school. I kind of like it. It's nice. It's tranquil. Um maybe I want to try running naked. By the way, that's another thing I learned in the as a wannabe. The term that, uh, that seems like a horrible no, idea. No, running naked means running without earbuds and running without a GPS, meaning go out and just do it. You have no idea how far you ran, you didn't listen to any music, so you don't have a thing going in your you're at a half mile, two minutes, three seconds, goal 38%. Achieve in other words, you said <laughs> you don't, you, you have no idea. That's called running naked, oh. and which by the way, I don't like doing. I've done it a couple times, I was like, yeah, but that's another, it's one of those. That's why I'm a wannabe. I didn't know what the term was, but, um, <laughs> but, uh, basically don't go for something big, just kind of ease yourself. There's you, you've now had your weight loss surgery. Now basically enjoy the trip. I'm yeah. eight years post-op and yes, I've, I've lost, I lost at, at my highest, I lost 270, but I've gained some of it back, but then I go up and down and what happens is I've got, as my wife and I joke about, if she sees me to start to uh, not eat as much or I'm maybe not having something bad, she goes, oh, you're starting to cut weight again. It's like, yeah, because <laughs> there, there's races coming up and all that. So I, if I want to do really good in a race, I need to be around 190 to 200. But then if I'm not really doing anything, I'm between – 200 and 215 so there's a mm -hmm. there's a scale i run in like right now i'm about 205 so but by midsummer i'll probably be down in the 190s but mm -hmm. just know that you're in this journey you're going to hit a bottom i my lowest i was at 170 i also look sickly um i had to put healthy weight back on yeah. um you guys have only how long how how far post stop are you guys um well, he's never had oh, okay. weight loss surgery, but I'm almost three months. Three months. So you're still losing and all that. Mm -hmm. So you're seeing the number go down. What will happen is, yeah, you'll get to a point where 
you're going to go to a bottom and then all of a sudden you're going to see crap up and it's going to start messing with your head mentally. Mm -hmm. But just know that, hey, that's your body now correcting itself. Because yeah. you had you had caloric deficit. It hurt to eat. I mean, uh, if there if there's anything, I there's so many things I hated. It's like, God, I just want to, I want to eat this. I want to do that. But it just hurt to eat. And it's like, I don't mm -hmm. want to eat. I don't want pudding again. And so now you're living off 500 calories a day. My wife, that's one thing that was great. She went to the classes with me. Mm -hmm. And she would say, have you eaten? No. You need to eat. I don't want to. Doesn't matter. Eat. Like she, I was a little baby. Yeah. She had to, for for that six or eight, for that six or eight months. Yeah. There were a couple Airplane. times. My my wife, she went totally one hundred percent into that. She she helped also as part of the support. Like she went out and bought baby spoons, like yeah. to eat. Uh, you see all these things. That's what about, we did. Yeah, she did that. Like she, it, it was really funny. We, our daughter at the time was seven. Everybody's like, "Why do you have so many baby stuff?" Because <laughs> that's the only way he could eat. Yeah. But uh, yeah, she would be like, "Okay, what do you want? Cottage cheese? Do you want pudding? What, am I making Jello shots?" <laughs> By the way, funny story. On I had my surgery, and we came home, and my wife decided she's going to make the Jello in the little bitty cups, so they were portion mm -hmm. uh -huh. and we went to gordon's to buy them the morning of saint patrick's day oh. <laughs> and they thought like, god damn how many people are coming over for jello shots they're like I, I didn't put two and two together they're, they're like wow you guys are gonna do a lot of jello shots aren't you and, and the funny thing was the amount of jello cups to because we wanted lids we're like where are the lids like nobody asked for the lids <laughs> on that day but yeah so she had made up a bunch of them. And what's really funny is at one time you could open the refrigerator. It looked just like, yeah, we were going to, it looked like my fraternity in college. Like yeah. Friday's <laughs> coming up jello shots. <laughs> so yeah, we had all of that stuff. She was really great on that. She would also look up different things that we could have. And back to another thing that was great about my surgeon in the class, uh, the group sessions, they would have a newsletter that have four or five recipes that it's bariatric friendly stuff. There's a, there's a soup to this day that we make three or four times a year. That is basically you go buy a rotisserie chicken and there's other stuff you put it in the crock pot and you make it and it's just awesome. And because we love the taste of it, it was great and it was really soft to eat at the mm -hmm. time. Because if you cooked it all day, the carrots got soft and there wasn't a lot of carbs in it. It was a lot of protein. Yeah. And uh, but we've got those recipes and we would always every month. It'd be new recipes. And so it was different things to try. That's one great thing. Going online, finding different things. And just know what worked for somebody may not work for you. But yeah. find what you like and do that. And if it helped you a little bit, share it with other people. Yep. I mean, part of me, if I, if I wasn't so lazy, I'd probably try and do something online about, hey, if you want to become an athlete and – uh you've had a bariatric surgery. Here's some stuff you need to learn. Okay. Yeah. Yes. You're going to, you're going to see all your stuff in the running or the triathlon stuff on. Okay. Here is your schedule to, uh, to get ready for the race, to get your body, to uh, open up your glycogens, fill up your glycogen reserves. Now you're going to carb load and all that. Guess what? That, that doesn't work that good when you've had bariatric surgery, yeah. you need to come up with something a little different. Yeah. And uh, so, so that, is something that's a little lacking on the internet, which 
I mean, maybe maybe that, that that's a calling. Is what that's I what I was do. about to yeah, say. It's, it's like because I've had people they they've said, okay, you had weight loss surgery. How did you do this? And I've I've walked people through, uh, as we call it. My wife calls it race sauce. Um, the Sunday before a race, I make the same thing and I eat it for the most of the week. And it's it's uh, high in protein, has a lot of tomatoes in it, so the acid opens up the glycogens, so you can start filling them when you do to go uh, carb load. Even though you're not supposed to have a lot of carbs, post you still got to fill up your reserves. And then there's different things that you take along in the race that keeps fueling you, which are called race goos. By the way, if you've had weight loss surgery and you're going to do a half marathon, a marathon, or any of these long distance where you have to have a racing goo or, or some sort of sustenance during the race, practice with it. Don't try the first race and go, okay, I'm going to do this. It's like, oh, that tastes like, ugh. <laughs> some of them it's acquired taste some people will gag because for me i tell everybody go it tastes like you're throwing a snail if you've ever eaten snails yeah. it's that texture but you feel it hit yeah so but you want to find out what your surgery and everything will allow you to have and uh what what's good because you do find yourself diminishing in uh energy I mean, there's only so much your body can do. And if you're running for two, three, four hours, you at about 45 minutes have used all the energy you have immediately firsthand. So now you're going into your stores and we don't store energy that well, mm -hmm. uh, having had bariatric surgery. So, but that, that's, that's one thing I would, I'd love to teach people and people should know is if you're going to do something, especially like if you're going to do a triathlon, I've, I've met the guy, I can't think of his name who he had weight loss surgery. He did the Ironman out in Hawaii. And, uh, he said, yeah, it was training his body on how do I feel during this event? Because it's totally different than everybody else's. Yeah. yeah. Well, Pete, we're going to let you go. we got to take care of some kids. All right. But we really enjoyed chatting with yes, you tonight. it's been a lot of fun. Yeah. Thanks for having me on. Well, good luck this weekend. Yes, and have fun at the wedding. Yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, I will. Well, this is another thing to kick off my bucket list. I get to knock the state of New York off. Because now, now that's the next thing is, like, I'm going to run a half marathon in every state if I can. Oh, so. wow. So that's an achievable goal sometime. I'm, uh, I'm up that to is. five or six. This will be seven. So Awesome. Awesome. Well, good luck. And travel safely. Yes. All right. Thank you. All right. Talk to you later, Pete. Have a good one. Bye. Bye. So that was our interview with Pete. I hope you really enjoyed him. We enjoyed talking to him, and we enjoyed having a male perspective for once. Any other men out there want to share their story, please reach out to us at Bariatric Life Podcast at Gmail or on the Instagrams at Bariatric Life Podcast. See you next week. This is just a reminder that neither Amanda nor Chris are doctors and you should always talk to your doctor before making any changes. This is our journey and our opinions. You can always find us on Instagram at Bariatric Life Podcast and help support us by clicking subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. We hope to have new episodes every Sunday.